Now today, I want to share with you guys a word um, and the structure, the way it's gonna, we're going to go about it may not be always the most typical, okay? But I want to share with you a word that nonetheless is, is really quite it's quite, it's, it's very personal to me. It's something that I do. It's something that I put into practice in my own life. And it's entitled today, Take Heed, Church, Reply When God Speaks to You. And just take heed, church, reply when God speaks to you. And I, and I was just looking at this title again, and I, and, and I went back and forth like a million times wondering, Fergus, does this, does this, uh, Title sound like a bit scoldy, and, and and you know that that's not the heart because every weekend I'm telling you guys that there's no scolding, there's no guilt tripping, there's no shaming, there's none of that here. But I just sense the Lord reminding the church, in both loving, and intimate and serious terms, that the Lord is speaking, and it will be such a dishonor for the Lord to speak, but for us to not lion. Let me say that one more time. That I really believe that the Lord, our King Jesus, is daily reaching out to us. He's making daily overtures at us, toward us, for our, for our joy and for our living and for our thriving. He is making daily overtures at us. And sometimes, we just don't hear. Sometimes we are not disciplined enough to spend the time, so it's a rushed job for us and we just don't hear. Sometimes we don't know how to hear. Maybe it was never modeled to us. Maybe it was never taught to us. Maybe it was never shown to us. Maybe we just fumbled our way through the first few years of being a Christian and we just somehow, ta-da, you know, made it here. And today someone's saying that God is constantly speaking. I'm like, where God? Where God? I don't hear, right? Or maybe for some others of you, you do genuinely go to God. But each time you genuinely go to God, you stand before a chasm. And it's like standing be be before the, the, the Grand Canyon, right? And you stand before the Grand Canyon. One thing, it's good because it makes you feel small. It makes you feel like, wow, God is big. And that part is good. But the way a chasm works when you stand before it is like, wow, it's just a huge expanse of quiet and nothingness. And I don't know how to deal with this. And maybe for some of you, you do have a lifestyle and a culture of praying. You do go to God. But every time you go to the Lord, it feels like, it feels like a lot of emptiness and a lot of quietness. And you don't hear Him speak. You don't hear Him speak back. And you say, you start saying things. And maybe it's, even then, it's not easy to start saying things because you're, you're writing into a, into a blank page. But nonetheless, you give it your best go, right? And then you feel like, I don't know if God hears my prayers. I don't know if God is answering my prayers. I don't know if I have a hearing problem, if it's a receiver problem, sender problem, receive back problem, you know? You, and, and maybe this whole area of praying has been uh, just one of those mysterious parts for you that you don't really know how to deal with it. And then when you see people sharing testimony, then they're saying that, wow, and I heard the Lord speak, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you're like, wow, I'm so happy for you, sister, but I don't get that. 
I don't know why I don't. I've never heard God speak in that way before. And there's there's a little bit of holy jealousy, right? It's like, oh Lord, how come I don't have, right? And so today, today, what I want to share with you really is speaking into a few areas. They are all interconnected. One is your prayer life, right? Your prayer life and your intimacy. Your prayer life, your intimacy with the Lord, your ability to hear from Him, right? And I want us to cultivate really healthy, God-centered, Christ-exalting uh, um, uh, uh, habits of prayer, okay? So, so I want to show you this. Um, uh, the word I'm going to launch off from is from Song of Solomon's uh, chapter 2, right? And some of you are starting to freak out, like, oh my gosh, Master Fergus preaching songs. <laughs> this is not going to go <laughs> by the Lord's, Lord's strength. This will go well, okay? Um, let, let me read and then I'll show you uh, 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 some of the other parts. For those of you, if you're not familiar with Song of Solomon, it's a love poem, okay? It's a love poem written by a king to his bride, okay? And it's very old. Um, and so the language here, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of, uh, flowery language in this, but I'm just going to read it and then show you what I see. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. Verse 10, my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. We'll skip down to verse 14. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff. Same voice, okay? This is not a reply. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rocks, in the crannies of the cliffs, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, for those of you who are uh, familiar uh, with the Song of Solomon, okay, uh, in a moment, I'm going to sh show you, re-show you this text, okay, with just a little augmentation. But just before that, let's pray. Let's pray, right? Father, may you bless the reading of this word. Father, may you bless the exalting of your, of your spoken word over us. Lord, you said in, in, uh, in John chapter 15 that already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Father, we thank you that in this church that we can say your word occupies the central place. We are Christ-centered, Bible-based, Spirit-powered. And so, Father, as we explore how to grow in intimacy with you today. Father, may we launch off and stand on solid ground. That is the word of God. So Father, we thank you. We praise you. May I decrease. May you increase to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, if, if some of you, how many of you, uh, you, are, you have read the Song of Solomon? All right, can you just raise your hand? I can see you all. On, 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 okay, so you've read the Song of Solomon. Okay, hands down. How many of you, you have read the Song of Solomon 
and the 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 language of song of solomon is quite strange for you okay so you're like a gazelle your eyes are like doves and all that is it if it's quite strange for you right you can just raise your hand i just want to see uh, um, whether some of you okay it can be quite strange for you right and and i won't ask you all to raise your hands but if some of you you may even be to the extent because you're not used to the literary form okay it's got nothing to do with showing reverence to the word of god some of us were just not accustomed to the literary form and when you read some of the some of the the metaphorical language in song of solomon you just cannot right you just cannot like like it says that you have a neck like towers and pillars of or, or, or and, and all that you're just like uh you know and and, and there's more <laughs> which which i won't say because we've got children here right um how many of you if you don't have to raise your hand right but i'm raising my hand right sometimes the language in in sos is just a little bit cannot and so for that i'm gonna erase not erase i'm gonna i'm gonna highlight the parts for you to look at okay so broadcast is gonna show me the next slide okay so if for you some of of the metaphorical language just a bit graphic or something just a little bit weird or different and you just cannot just i'm going to go show you the blue parts okay the blue parts the voice of my beloved behold he comes i want you to know this the beloved your beloved comes to you behold there he stands behind our wall gazing through the windows looking through the lattice my beloved speaks and says to me arise my love and come away Okay, we're okay, right? It's not too much, right? This language. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. Now, this is this is the core message of just this few verses. What it's really trying to say is that your beloved comes to you. And when your beloved comes to you, he bids you to arise. I'll get into that in a moment. But today, I want to show you three things from, uh, from this text. Uh, three things, right? In general, I want to show you. And, and they are the following. Number one, God always initiates. God always initiates. Number two, God is saying something. Maybe you wonder, is God saying anything? Why is God so silent? God is saying something. And number three, God longs for us to reply. Okay? God always initiates. God is saying something. And God longs for us to, be, to reply. Let's get into the first point. God always initiates. Before we look back into Song of Solomon, I just want to show you that from elsewhere in Scripture, how God really does always initiate right we know from we're starting on the book of revelation with pastor chu uh, um uh, at his at his uh saturday morning sessions for some of you you have joined the rerun on wednesday by the way if you don't know uh what is this revelation thing i know yesterday at dominate altar uh, one of our brothers was asking what is this revelation thing he must have missed um the, the announcement then ask in the chat and our connect team will update you on what it is and we can point you in the direction to get registered for our Revelation series, okay? Now, we are learning from the Revelation series. What does Jesus call himself in the book of Revelation? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. When Jesus says, I am the first, what he's really trying to say is that I am the initiating factor. I am the one who started everything. I am the one who reaches out. I am the one who begins. I am the one who begins right i am the first and the last we know from the book of from the book of uh, ephesians right that ephesians chapter 1 if i believe uh, um that god says that that the 
our Father chose us in Christ from before the foundations of the earth. Meaning to say that even before all of this uh, um, has happened, that God has already initiated. He took agency and chose us from before the foundations of the earth were laid. And we know from uh, 1 John, right? 1 John chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken, that, that, that the Bible says that God, how do we know what love is, right? This is love. Not that we were so grand, right? To love as if we had any love that was original or, or self-generated uh, to give. But how do, how do we know what is the true meaning of love? This is what love is. That God loved us first. Not that we first loved, but that God first loved us. And today, uh, uh, verse 19 of 1 John 4 says that we can love others because God first loves us. He initiates the cycle that of love that must perpetuate. If there is a perpetuating cycle of love, it is because God initiates it. It's not because we had agency to start it, okay? So, so, so I want us to remember and have this firmly in mind. God always initiates. And I was sharing with the serving team, uh, uh, was it two weeks ago, that when we come together and run a church service. So this is relevant because I want all of you in the congregation to hear this. When all of us on the serving team, okay, you see on your screen, you'll see Kieran Ong, he's doing broadcast. You see Jackson Lim, he's doing the program uh, managing today. You know, um, you see you see all of us, Lionel, uh, you see Pastor Ramesh. When we come together, and this was what I was sharing with them, we don't come to initiate. We come to join we come to join what God is already doing. So I know sometimes we pray like this and sometimes we speak like this, that we are doing something. God, I am doing something for you. And then we say, God, can you come and bless this thing that I'm doing for you, right? As if I'm starting something and I'm asking God, God, my agenda aligned to yours, right? Yes, okay. Uh, can you come and bless this thing that I'm doing? And though it is not in the strictest sense wrong, it does orient our, our thinking to be less God-centered, okay? Not God-centered enough. So let me share with you how we can think and orient our thoughts so that it is much more God-centered. The most God-centered way to think about this is that God is doing something. God is always doing something. He initiated something and He's doing that something. And what's our role? When we come together to run a, 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 a church service, we are joining Him in doing that something. So God is doing something in churches everywhere. He's speaking a word of peace. He's speaking a word of nuance. He's speaking a word of love. He's speaking, he's growing disciples to love. He's growing disciples to the third way, right? Not, not, not to just fight back, not to run, but to turn the cheek, right? He's growing us all over the world as a global church. He's doing something to, to lay down our lives, to be courageous, to share the gospel. He's doing all this. And God is doing something. And Every time we gather to run church, it's not as if we are doing something and we say, God, come and bless this. It's that 
God, you are doing something. May we have the joy. May we have the privilege. May we have the honor. May we have the high calling to participate with you in what you are doing. And my friends, this is what it means to have a God-centered mindset, to have the righteous mind, to have the mind of Christ. So my friends, to have that is to say, God always initiates. He has started something. And I want to give you encouragement today that whatever work that God has started, He will bring it to completion. Our role is not to start and hope He joins us. Our role is to see that He has started and be and find joy in joining Him. Amen? Amen? Alright? Okay, now let's go back. Where do we see this? In Song of Solomon chapter 2, we see it here. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes. The Lord takes initiative to come to you, right? Behold, he comes. The, my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, and come away, right? So I want to show you this one thing, that when God comes and initiates, he bids you to arise, when God comes to initiate, He bids you, Arise, wake up, my love. Get up, my love. Come join me, my love. Come and follow me. Didn't He, didn't he bid us to arise the day He came and said, Come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Did He not? Did he, not, uh, did he not rouse something in our spirits that formerly had died and He breathed life inside us and then He bid us, Come follow me? Did he not do that? I know he did that for me and I know he did that for many of you, right? So when God initiates, he does bid us to arise. And what does it mean for him to bid us to arise? That he wakes us up from our slumber. He wakes us up from the slumber, whatever it might be that God initiates and he calls us, right? He calls us to a something. And for each of us, it is to know what is that call, but to know before anything else that his call is real. His call is the initiating first agent, okay? His, his call is the initiating first agent. Now, I want, I want you all to know this, that the alternative way to think, the alternative way to relate to God is to think that we have to initiate but that's not healthy. And maybe you thought that all my life, that, oh, wow, I have to initiate. You know, I have to go to God. And like I said to you just now, that I have to do all the work. I have to come to you. I have to, I have to all that. I want to show you this, right? Do not live as if you always have to initiate. And that's not to say that when you are feeling down, you can't go to God. No, exact opposite. Right? When you're feeling down, know that God has already spoken something to you. And when you go to God, you are replying. You are not addressing, you are replying because he has spoken already, right? And today, I just really want to help you to see some of the things that he's speaking over you already. But do not live as if you initiate. It's a burden. I don't want you to carry this burden. Okay, so this is the part, I don't know, I, I, I really was filled with quite a bit of trepidation entering this second point, but, but it is nonetheless something that, that I'm convicted by and I want to show you uh, um, through scripture scripture, how God really does. And the burden is not on you to speak into void. Let me say that one more time, my friends. The burden is not on you to speak into a void. The Lord has spoken. 
you need only to reply. Now, now I want to show you right now a list of all the, all, all the things that can go wrong in our hearts and the things that can go wrong in our heads when we always think that we have to start the conversation with God. Okay, so, so if you look, there's a bunch of dot points after this, right? If you feel you always have to initiate, like I said, it's a burden. You may feel that, why is the responsibility always on me to start this conversation? Why is the burden always on me? I don't know, I can't, it's, it's, it's too big a burden to bear, right? Um, you may find the silence to be very heavy, right? You enter a space, how many of you experience this? Right? So someone tells you, oh, you need to pray, you know, so you wake up early in the morning and then you go and then you like, you, you, you like, you know, wipe out your bleary eyes and then you just stand before the Lord and then you feel the silence is like so heavy and you don't know what to say. You may feel paralyzed by the silence. You may feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to say, God, is this what praying is like? God, I don't know what to do. Who am I? I don't know what to say. Why am I supposed to say something? Then you just say one of the stock prayers, law. You just say, our Father in heaven, hello be done. You're just using your mouth. But, and then you, you don't know because you don't even know. Sometimes we pray a lot. And that's not, I'm not saying that that prayer is wrong, right? Totally not. Jesus taught us to pray like that. But I want you to know that sometimes when we pray and we are praying into a, a void or what we think is a void because you think you're initiating, right? When we think we're praying into a void and then we can feel paralyzed because we don't know what 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 to do right sometimes we can be overawed by the occasion oh no i'm standing before young dipertuan tuhan right and i'm like what to say right scared don't know what to say sometimes you might find it scary you might find it awkward you might find it unfamiliar that that it's a it's a territory that you're not used to that that is so quiet in here i don't know what to say you may even find it a lonely experience it's like it's like being a radio DJ uh, for the midnight for the middle of the night show. You know, you're talking, you're talking, and you don't know if there's anyone on the other side listening to you. Right? You're just continuing to talk in the hope and in the trust uh, that that someone <laughs> someone out there is hearing you. Sometimes it can feel like a lonely experience. You might even find yourself feeling lost for words, and that's it. It can get worse. Right? If you feel that you always have to initiate, you might eventually grow resentful that you always have to start. And sometimes, wives, you may feel this way about your husbands, or husbands, you may feel this way about your wives. They're like, why do I always have to be the one to tell you that A, B, C, D needs to be done around the house? Right? Sometimes we are like that, and then we get annoyed with one another. And, we, and over time, if you don't, if you don't tend to that, uh, 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 those, those, those conflicts, you might feel resentful that I always have to tell you. right? I always have to tell you that the dishes, I always have to tell you that the clothes, I always have to tell you that the car, I always have to tell you that this. you know. And you're going to, why? Why do I always have to initiate it's so annoying that i always have to be the one to tell you things right and guess what don't be surprised if you don't tend to this area of of unmet expectation that you can end up having the same kind of resentments about your time in prayer with god you may end up saying that i are very sin i want to talk to god he never answered one i always have to talk to him i always have to tell him things nah, 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 you know and that's not healthy and today i want to shepherd all of us away from that kind of thinking you i don't want you to see god as uninterested but you might if you always have to initiate you might find god cold you might find god distant you might find him unloving or uncaring and and here's here's the thing even if you want to talk you might then you start thinking that oh yeah 
have to share with you what's on my mind, but my what's on my mind is actually very trivial. Oh. If I always have to open my mouth and talk, maybe what's on my mind is that I want to buy that new pair of shoes, but that pair of shoes, I'm not sure whether to buy in black or in blue, right? And I'm like, oh, you're so trivial, what for tell God, you know? And then you, and then you because you trivialize what's on your mind, then you don't talk to God, Lord, right? Because what if because what's on your mind is what is that? It's the, it's the color of your shoes, right? It's like, why would you want to tell God about the color of your shoes? And then you, uh, by the way, you, you probably can, okay? He, he understands if you, if, if, you are, if you are unclear about what color of shoes. But, but you may feel it's too trivial and you don't want to talk. Or you may feel that, oh, maybe I need to talk to him about COVID and Israel and India and all these things. But, you know, if you jump straight to that, you know, what's happening in the world can be so detached from you as well. So, so I don't want you uh, um, and any one of us to go through life with the mindset oriented that I have to be the one to talk to God first. I want you to talk to God, but I want you to know that He speaks first. He always speaks first, all right? So, so point number one is this, that God initiates. Point number two is that God is saying something. So I want to take you now one level deeper into this, that what is God saying, well, I want to tell you something and bust a myth, okay? There is a myth in Christian thinking that I find to be very counterproductive and super not helpful, okay? And this is the myth that God is going to say something to me that is super epic, right? God is saying something. And, and a lot of times, you can see the next slide, right? When God initiates, He bids you to arise. But, but a lot of the times we think God is going to say something to me that is super ground-shaking and so epic and so detailed and super specific about my life, okay? And then we think these are expectations, okay? When we come to God, we have all these expectations. We never told anyone. We're not even aware of it, but we have these expectations. And why? Maybe from one or two verses in the Bible, we saw God say, Noah. He's like, oh, what? You know, Noah built me an ark. He's like, wow, wow, okay. And then we hear him say, Moses, you know, Moses, I want you to set my people free. And then he says, Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldeans and go to the land that I will show you. And like, wow, if he speaks to Noah and Abraham and Moses like this, then I'm sure he's going to say something similar to me, right? Maybe he's going to come to me and say, um, Lionel, Lionel, you shall get up at six in the morning. Lionel, you shall change and wear a black t-shirt. Like, we, we, think, we think that, God, you're going to say something, take that job, it will be to your prospering, right? Or like, marry this man. He is the one, even though you're not sure. You know, like, we think he's going to speak super specific, uh, um, detailed things specifically for you and he's the earth is going to shake and we were trained by culture. Actually, it's just culture. Lah. No pastor ever taught you that. Lah. Uh, but we're trained by Christian culture to expect him to speak super specific things. But you know what? Most of the time, he doesn't. In fact, I will say that he rarely would ever begin like that way with you. I mean, like, dude, there's one Noah in this world. There's one Abraham in this world. And there's one Moses in this world, right? So, so chances are he initiates in ways that we are not familiar with. And when we are not accustomed to hearing how he initiates, we are expecting him to initiate in a different way. We're expecting him to say, Abraham. And like, we never hear it. So we go about our lives saying that I never hear from God or no. I don't know how you can hear from God. I don't hear from God or no. Well, here's the rub. You hear from God every day. He's speaking to you gently, lovingly, in a familiar voice. Remember, he says, my sheep, 
know my voice, right? You want to know how he speaks in a familiar voice? Through scripture. And after this, I want to show you a series of scriptures, a script series, you know, one-liners, two-liners from God, okay, that, that is going to show you what he could be saying to you. I, I want to show you also how you can practically hear these things, respond to it, and let him speak back, and you speak back, and you speak back, and then you start a kind of like a, a, an engagement, a dialogue with God. But just one caveat. Okay, I've carefully chosen all the scriptures I'm going to show you. Okay, because I've chosen scriptures for you that through careful selection, I know throughout the Bible, God always speaks these words to us. He's always speaking these words to us. It never changes. These are words and, and, and postures of God's heart to us that never changes. Okay, so I've selected Bible verses like that. I want to show you what would be the wrong application. Okay, the wrong application is you select Bible verses to hear God speak to you that are super specific and occasional for particular people in the Bible for a particular time. So for example, there have been times when God said to the people of Israel, stand your ground in Jerusalem. Right? He said that to them where? In Nehemiah, right? Take up arms, build the wall, stand your ground. Don't leave. Don't run away. Don't go back, right? Now, so, so he says, stand your ground in Jerusalem. But you know what? There are other parts of the Bible where God says to the people of, uh, uh, who are living in Jerusalem, get up, go with the Babylonians, leave Jerusalem. If you leave, you will be saved. If you try to stay in Jerusalem, you will die. I, if, if, the, if, the, if your enemies don't kill you, then natural disaster will be before you, you will die. Get up, leave. Don't stand your ground in Jerusalem. Now, somebody might say, hey, Pastor, why uh, got contradiction? It's not contradiction. It's two things said to two different sets of people at two different times in history to arrive at different outcomes. So if you hear, stand your ground in Jerusalem, and then every day you go to the Lord and you say, God, what are you saying? And then stand your ground in Jerusalem. Then that I don't know if God is enduringly, perpetually always saying that to you. In fact, I know that he doesn't always say that to you because there were times at least when he said the opposite to the people of Israel. Okay, so we're good. Now I'm going to show you the ones that as your pastor, uh, as, your, uh, as, as, your, as your good mini shepherd, I have done the work to make sure that whatever I'm showing you in as much way as possible are perpetual things that God would say to you, okay? Let me show you the first one. He's going to, he will, um, he will encourage you, right? He will encourage you with this and he's always encouraging you this way. He says, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Friends, sometimes we don't know what to say in prayer. You wake up early morning, you wipe out your blurry eyes, you stand before God, and you just hear, click, 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 click. And you think, what are you saying? And then you feel forced to say something, ma. Now, here's another way. You stand before God, you wipe out your eyes, you lift up your hands, but because you came for service on today, you saw this slide. I want you to hear God say the initiating word to you. My child, I am your shepherd you shall lack nothing. Okay? Now let's do practical, okay? Practical. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to practically experience this. Now you don't know what to say to God. 
Frankly, you don't know what God is saying to you either. But at least I know this one thing. God is saying to you, my son, my daughter, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Shan, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Tracy, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Elaine, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Sarah, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Now, my friends, open your eyes. What would you say back to God if he says, I am your shepherd, you shall lack nothing? Some of us might say, really, our God, thank you so much because I was really worried about this one thing. And sometimes some of us might say, but God, I feel like I lack courage. I feel like I lack courage to do this. Some of us will say, but Lord, I feel I lack faith. I, I, can't, I find it hard to believe. Some of you might say, I, I, I lack money in the bank. I lack opportunities to work. I lack, I lack this, I like that. And, and not like, I lack, right? And you say that to it's a good thing. Now you're not talking into a void. Now you're responding, right? And he says, I'm your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. And you say, Lord, I feel the lack though. I feel so much lack. And he says, but I am your shepherd. And then you say, but God, I don't know how, what, what difference does it make? If I'm your shepherd, who are you? Then I'm your sheep, Lord. If you're my shepherd, I'm your sheep. Will I let you down? Uh, no, Lord. I don't think you'll let me down, Lord. Where else have I said that I'm your shepherd? Lord, in John 10, 10, you said I'm your good shepherd. What else does, I, does it say? It says, I'm your good shepherd. And, and, and oh yeah, you said the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. So son, would I lay down my life? Yes, Lord. Have I laid down my life? Yes, Lord. Have you ever lacked anything since I laid down my life for you? Lord, actually no, Lord. Actually, no, Lord. You have provided everything for me, Lord. You even provided your own life for me, Lord. Son, I am your shepherd. You shall lack nothing. You see how you are entering prayer and suddenly you find yourself in a dialogue with the Lord, right? You're talking to Him. He's speaking back to you because guess what? When you let Him speak, I'm, I, I, this, I'm, this I'm confident. When you let Him speak through the Scriptures, then, then, then you approach him, you ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak, you know, uh, uh, um, and, and as, as you hear, you say, Lord, what are you saying again? Lord, what's the next thing you would say? And I genuinely believe when you make a, a, a genuine effort to seek and hear him, that he will bring to remembrance all the things that he's been saying to you and he will start speaking to you. You know, just this morning, I woke up. And, and, and I woke up and I fell back asleep again. So, so I really need to learn to not go back to sleep, right? Um, um, I woke up uh, and just for a brief moment while it was all still dark, I, I, I just heard the Lord say, I will water the field for you. Because my mind was on Paul and Apollos, you know, like, like one person plants, one person waters. And he said, I will water the field for you. And I was like, Lord, I know you're watering everybody's field all around the earth. All these churches are getting watered today. He said, I will water the field for you. You don't worry. Because I was quite stressed about today's sermon. So he said, he said, I will water the field for you. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
<laughs> yeah, I fell back asleep. <laughs> no, I should have woken up, right? Um, so, so this is the first one. I'm going to go through, now that I've shown you practically how it works, you know, I want to show you many other things the Lord is speaking to you. He will also encourage you in different ways, right? One of the other things He will say to encourage you is, I am the light and your salvation. Don't be afraid. Now, if the Lord says that to you, what will you say? But I'm scared, or you know, but I'm this, or you know, and then He reminds you, I am your light. I am your salvation. Don't be afraid. Psalm 27. What else could he say to you? He will say, cast your cares. Cast your anxieties upon me, right? I'm sorry, let's, yeah, cast all your anxieties on me. I care for you. Friends, if you go into a void and you don't know what to say, hear God say this. It's an encouragement to you cast your anxieties upon me. And then you start to say, yeah, Lord God, I'm really anxious about this law. Can I really cast on you? Yes. I said, cast it upon me. I give it to you. You really care about me? Yes, I really do care about you. Give it to him, right? Sorry, I, I skipped one earlier. It says, uh, I give you another one. I am your everlasting God. I do not grow faint I do not faint or grow weary. Isaiah 40, Pastor Ramesh's uh, favorite chapter of the Bible, right? Um, I am the, your everlasting God. It's like, God, but I feel faint. I feel weary. I feel like I really cannot already. Said, but I don't feel faint. I don't feel weary. Go look at the Bible. What, the, what does it say after this? And then he say, really? Yeah? yeah, yeah, go look at the Bible, says Jesus, you know? And then you go look. And then it says that you will run, uh, uh, you, 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 will, you will rise up on wings of eagles. You know, it's like, wow, what? I thought I'm weary. How come I'm weary? But you're, you say that I'm going to rise up on wings of eagles. I will run and not grow weary. Why? He says, because I don't grow weary. You won't grow weary. Wow, suddenly you have a dialogue. Let's move on. Let's move on. One of the other things he will do is he will give you an invitation. Sometimes he will encourage you. Sometimes he will give you an invitation. And his invitation to you is always come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He never stops saying this. So if you go to prayer and you don't know what to say, just hear the Lord say to you, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then respond to that. Lord, okay, I'll come to you, but I just don't feel restful yet. And then he will engage you. One more. Let's see one more. Sometimes the Lord will say to you, an invitation, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Gosh, he said this to me so many times this week. Son, do you believe I'm able to do this? Even in quietness, nobody around, empty, nothing. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do what? This. This thing that's on your mind that you're doubting about. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't know if, I, if I'm able. Do you believe? I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And then suddenly he's linking you to other parts of the Bible, right? One more. Let's see one more. Sometimes he's inviting you to a, to a deeper searching. He says, where are you? Genesis 3, God said to, to, to Adam and Eve, where are you? And sometimes the Lord can be saying this to us. In fact, He's always saying, where are you to us, right? And it's just a tone. Sometimes depending on where, what's happening in your, in your life, you may hear the tone, siapa makan cili, dia yang rasa pedas, right? But if, if you are going through a dry spell, He will say to you, son, where are you? If you're going through, if you have recently sinned and you have not dealt with it before the Lord, He may say to you, daughter, where are you? You know, and, and He always says, where are you? to you, right? One more, one more. In this, if you're going through grief, 
If you are going through grief, then hear him say this that that he said uh, to to Mary Magdalene, right, um, in the garden after he resurrected. Daughter, why are you weeping? If you're going through grief, always let hear him saying to you, why are you weeping? And you have voice now, you can tell him because you've heard how he cares. Let's hear one more. What, what, sometimes he'll challenge you, huh, by the way. Sometimes he'll challenge you. Um, and, and I want to say this so that we know. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it is the same whether you are very seasoned in praying and you are interceding for nations and you are praying like three hours a day on the trot, you know, and you're part of the firewall and you're strong and you're fiery and it's all good, right? Or maybe you're just intermediate, you're learning to pray for your unsafe friends and family, you're learning to pray to take dominion over your atmosphere, over your own heart, you just want to, God to fill you a bit more. Or whether you're a total beginner, you're new to God and you, and you thought that you know, you're supposed to learn stock prayers and pray. It doesn't matter what level or what depth of prayer you are in a season of, God is always speaking this to you. But for some of you, God may be challenging you, okay? These are some challenges that He will always challenge us with, right? He may say this to you. John 21, He says, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than this? Look around you. Do you, do you love me more than this? He never stops bidding for your affections, for your whole heart. And, he's, and this is something that if, if you enter prayer, you don't know what to do, sometimes the Lord may be reminding you, do you love me more than this? And then you have something to say. And just one last one, one, one other challenge, which, which he does say this to me, I consider it a fairly universal, fairly enduring thing that God will always say to us, okay? And it, it is also from John 21. Um, and, and he says this, if it is my will, what is it to you, you follow me. And I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've looked out at other people in this world and say, how come they get to have bigger budget? How come they get to have better lights? How come they get to have more money? How come their, their church is bigger? How come their this is more? How come they get to take leave? How come they are this? How come they are that? You know, and God, Jesus always speaks into that chasm and says, if it is my will, what is it to you, Fergus? You follow me. And I go into emptiness. I'm in a season of being like, oh, you know, the dam all there, right? And then I don't know what to say to him. And I wake up and I'm like, ah, must pray lah. And then empty, right? And then he says, Fergus, if it is my will, what is it to you? You follow me. He's like, why you talk like that? God, why, why are you why very scary lah? Why you say like that? The Fergus, no, really, if it is my will, right? that thing that you're thinking of, you're comparing yourself to all these other people, Fergus, if it is my will that they have more than you, what is it to you? You follow me. I'm like, yeah, Lord, I think I should, Lord. I will cry and then all that, right? So, so this is just some very practical ones. I hope that you can copy it out uh, from the Zoom chat, you know, keep it on your phone. And the next time you go to the Lord in prayer, you don't know what to say, just open it up and just let your eyes land on one, you know, and just allow Him to speak and then enter into quietness and respond, okay? Now, that's my second point, and which leads us tidily into the final point, God longs for us to reply, right? God always initiates, God is saying something, okay? And He longs for us to reply, okay? And I want to show you um, a, a, very, a very precious Bible verse um, to the Jews and Christians alike. It is the Shema Yisrael, okay? Here, 
oh Israel, right? The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. This Deuteronomy 6, it's super important, okay? Um, and Jesus cites it many years later as the greatest commandment. Now, it begins with this word, here. And this word here, oh Israel, right? Here is there to remind you that God initiates and God has something to say. And what is God saying? God says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Right, And then what does he say? I didn't put it in here, but I want to walk you through it. He has a response that he's looking for from this old Israel whom he asks to hear. He says, hear, O Israel, A, B, C, D, E. Now, what do you do with A, B, C, D, E? I want you to put it on your forehead and wear it on your hands. Go back, check me out. Deuteronomy 6, right? The law, this thing that I'm saying to you, wear it on your forehead wear it on your hands. And that is another way to say that this shall be your response to what I'm saying. Your reply, right? Reply when God speaks. God has spoken. What is your reply? I shall wear it on my forehead. It becomes all of my thinking. It filters all of my thinking. It filters all of my thoughts. It is the gatekeeper of my mind. Is the word of Lord, of the Lord. It is God becomes the gatekeeper for my mind. I put it on my hands. It becomes the gatekeeper for my actions and all my doing. That everything I do is filtered through the Lord is my God. I shall love him with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. That is the reply he's looking for from his people. By the way, by the way, yesterday in one of my other chat groups, one of my other chat groups with main church uh, 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 leaders, one of them started asking, have you all heard people say um, that the mark of the beast uh, is going to be this vaccination thing, right? How many of y'all may have heard, okay? And I know some of y'all are going like, no, this is ridiculous. And then some people say, no, no, really, all these vaccination passports, you know, it's going to become like, without it, you cannot trade and blah, blah. And I can see from some of your reactions that to you, it's a little bit over the top and a bit conspiratorial. Know that your pastor does not hold that view, okay? So you can come down. And, and, uh, but I think it's important for us to know this because we are in in the book of Revelation with Pastor Chu, right? And then at some point, he's going to talk of 666. At some point, we're going to talk of the mark of the beast, okay? And I, and I saw this really, really healthy understanding of the mark of the beast from the Bible Project Punya Revelation uh, uh, um, video. The mark of the beast is the anti-shema. The mark of the beast, you wear on your forehead, you wear on your hands. It is the anti-shema. It is the opposite of the shema. That you is the number of men. That's why it says, in, it, 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 you total it up, it is the number of men, the number is 666, right? That's what Revelation says, is that you shall love yourself with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's that's the mark of the beast. And then everything that comes into your mind, that the gatekeeper for your mind is serving yourself. The gatekeeper for all your actions is serving yourself. Friends, the mark of the beast is not some chip that Obama wants to put under your... Remember that? How many of you received that WhatsApp message, right? Oh, Obama is the Antichrist because he wants to put a chip under your... Hey, hello, fellas, not even president anymore. 
clearly your credibility as a prophet of doom is totally debunked, right? Um, so so if, if you can dig back to that WhatsApp, reply them and say, hey, hey, you know what they do to prophets who get it wrong? Yeah, please be careful. Huh? They used to stone them. Huh? So don't say all this nonsense, huh? you know? Um, and you know what? Just to help you understand this, Mark of the Beast is going to be something, okay, that, that you are going to voluntarily take on you're going to voluntarily reject Jesus, okay? That's Mark of the Beast, okay? There's no way you're going to get tricked into the Mark of the Beast and then Jesus is going to punish you for getting tricked into it. It, it, It's not like that, okay? Our God is not that kind of God. If you think that God is going to punish you you because you took a jab and then somewhere in the jab is laced the number 666 and somehow you're going to get, you know, go into eternal damnation for that, like you're understanding the God of the Bible totally wrong. Okay, so so your theology matters. Your view of God's loving kindness matters. Okay, and and, and so and so so tr- spend less time on conspiracy theories. Let me finish this sermon. Right, here, O Israel, God initiates. What is our response? Is to wear our love for the Lord and all our faculties. That's our reply. Now, friends, love of the Lord. You want to come back to it? Let's go back to the love song, law. Right, the love song of God, where He says to us in Song of Solomon, My beloved, arise. My beloved, I have come to you and I bid you wake up. I bid you, my beloved, come away with me. And what is our response? If you hear the Lord saying, My beloved, wake up, arise, I love you, let that be His initiating word over your life. And maybe you will say, Yes, Lord. I know you love me. I remember you said so in your word. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he said, but my son, my daughter, I didn't just say it. And then you say, Yahor, you didn't just say it, you showed it. And then he says to you, my son, my daughter, how did I show you? And you say, you showed it on the cross. You showed it on the cross. You were bludgeoned for me. You were whipped for me. You had the skin ripped from your from the back. 39 lashes for me. That's how you showed me that you loved me. And then he says, my beloved, arise. I love you. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Friends, what is your response to that? I know that the beloved's response in Song of Solomon chapter 5, she replies back, says, my beloved is the most beautiful. I have seen you bludgeoned on the cross. You are most beautiful. I have seen your whole face wrecked beyond human recognition. That's from Isaiah. You are most beautiful. I've seen you completely beaten. I've seen you take the spit on your face. I've seen you mocked. I've seen the, 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 the crown of thorns pressed onto your, onto your temples. I've seen your forehead bleed and every bl- drop of blood was, was, was shed to, to save me, to cover me, to love me. You are most beautiful among thousands and thousands and thousands. Friends, Song of Solomon 2 is God speaking. He says, my beloved, arise, come away. Song of Solomon chapter 5 is the response of the beloved. The beloved says, my beloved, 
is most beautiful among thousands and thousands. Friends, I want to lead us to, a, to close. And I want to lead us into this song. If you're familiar with this song, Yeshua, <clears throat> my beloved, is most beautiful among thousands and thousands. I want to invite you to sing along if you're not familiar with this song. It's a super easy song to sing along because it's very repetitive. But as we sing this song, I want, us, I want you to enter into a time of intimacy with the Lord. Amen? I want you to enter into a time of intimacy with the Lord and to reply to Him. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat gets stuck just before I have to sing, right? Reply to Him. The Lord has spoken. He has expressed how much He loved you. He loves you. He has shown you how much He loves you. Come, church. Let us... Let us enter into this. I want all of you to close your eyes. Don't worry so much about the lyrics. If you open your eyes one time, you see the lyrics, you can remember it already, right? I want you to open your hands before the Lord. Oh, my beloved is the most beautiful among thousands and thousands my beloved is the most beautiful among thousands and thousands my beloved is the most beautiful among thousands and thousands, my beloved is the most beautiful among thousands and thousands, my beloved is the most beautiful among
thousands and thousands. Father, we declare, Lord God, that you are indeed most beautiful, O Lord God. Father, we declare, Lord God, that your first word over us, Lord God, is I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. Look at me. I will never leave you nor forsake me. My church, look at me. My church, look at me. Close your eyes and look upon me. My church, don't be distracted. Look upon me. My church, do you see me on the cross? My church, do you see me? Is this beautiful to you, Lord? Church, is this beautiful to you, church? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will be with you. My rod, my staff, comfort you. You will get through this valley of shadow of death. You will get through it. I've prepared a table at the end of it. You will get through it. I will anoint your head with oil. You will feast before your enemies. And I will say to you, my son, my daughter, goodness and mercy, my goodness, my mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You will dwell in my house forever. Church, the Lord is saying so many things to us. Let us not neglect Him. Let us not ta'layan Him. Let us not turn a deaf ear to Him. Church, in your own life, I believe the Lord is saying something. When you look at your neighbourhood, the situation in your workplace, the situation in our church, the situation in your cell, the Lord is saying something. When you look at what's happening in Malaysia, the Lord is saying something. When you look at what's happening in Israel, or you look at the COVID in India, you look at what's happening all around the world, the Lord is saying something. And if you're in Singapore right now, and you feel that, oh my gosh, lockdown just happened, it's one month, the Lord is saying something. The Lord is always saying something. He is not silent. He is not withheld His voice from you. He speaks every day from Scripture. And I want us to be able to hear that. Don't enter and speak into a void. You are never speaking into a void. If nothing else, he says, beloved, arise. So beloved of God, arise. Church of God, his bride, arise. The bride of Sunai Buloh, arise. And let us reply him when he speaks. Father, thank you for speaking. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, that today... Before we even woke up, you started working. Before we even roused from our sleep, you started to say over us, I love you. I love you with a never-ending love. Arise, my beloved. So Father, thank you. Father, we love you. And we pray and ask for your blessing to be upon us for the rest of this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance toward you, toward you and your family, and your loved ones, and your friends, and your health. May He turn His countenance toward your finances. May He turn His countenance towards your business. May He turn His countenance towards your family fracture, 
to that relationship that is that is strained. May he turn his countenance toward that pain in your heart, that memory of something that happened so many years ago. May he turn his countenance towards your unrest or your restlessness in, in being stuck at home. May he turn his countenance towards your COVID or the COVID of someone around you. May he turn his countenance toward you and grant you peace. Jehovah Shalom grants us peace. So Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's faithful children say, Amen.